Good morning, and uh, we come to Genesis 5. Um, if you could turn there in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 5. I'll pray as we come to the sacred ground that is God's holy word. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray this morning that you would give me the words to say, that I would speak well of your wonderful son and his wonderful gospel. We pray for help this morning. I do pray, Father, that we would be able to gather together as the church so very soon. In the next week or two, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 5 verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. The second told off, remember. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered in Enosh. Seth lived after he had fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he had fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he, lit and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he had fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he had fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he had fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work. And from the painful toil of our hands, Lamech lived after he had fathered Noah 595 years, had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. And after Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham and Japheth. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy and inerrant word. We come this morning to Genesis 5 and one of the great things, one of the great things about preaching Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, 
through the Bible is that you don't pick the high points from Abraham almost sacrificing Isaac, Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat. You get it all. And I hope you're as, as I said last time, I hope you're as excited to hear this as I was studying and preparing it. You get the genealogies, you get the names, you get the lists, you get the numbers, you get a Hebrew phone book. And that is important because all of scripture, all of scripture is breathed out by God and all of it is profitable for us. To let you in on a little secret as a preacher, I actually love the passages that do not seem obvious on the face of it because I learned something. I genuinely learned something and maybe I can teach something you haven't seen before. So I'm very excited to dive into this Hebrew phone book, this genealogy, the first of several in Genesis, many of them in the Bible. For most of us, genealogies are but an interesting curiosity. Now, there are many ways that you can track your genealogy in the day of the internet. You can may find there's some famous person or some infamous person, but for most of it, that's about it. But if we're honest, when we come to genealogies in the Bible, we think even less and expect even less. So it's hard for us to see, for ancient people, for Bible people, a genealogy was of supreme, historical, theological and national significance. It is how you understood where you came from. It is how you saw the connection of the promises of God. It's how you understood your identity as a nation. And very often, if you had the eyes to see and the ears to hear, it is how God had very important theological information to communicate. That is why there are dozens of genealogies in the Bible. God must have something to say to us that there are so many of them and there are quite a few of them in the book of Genesis. So we do need to pay attention. We need to come to them with a sort of curiosity that ancient people would have done. Not perhaps just another list of names. It's like the difference often between men and women when it comes to finding out information about a new baby. The women are the ones who want to know all the details, the weight, the hair, the length, how was the birth? When did the waters break? When, where is the man? Baby came and I'm tired. You're lucky if he knows the sex of the baby. So we ought to come to the genealogies in Genesis with the same curiosity that a woman likes to hear about a birth of a baby. So let me give you for a starter some basic parameters in thinking about biblical genealogies. And that will maybe help us understand what might be going on here, genealogies in the Bibles are often given with seven or tens. Multiples or sevens and sevens of sevens and tens. In Genesis 4, we have the line of Adam through Cain. It went to seven generations. Here is ten. When you get to the genealogy later in chapter 11, which connects the dots from Noah to Abraham, that's another ten. If you go to Ruth chapter 4, the genealogy of David, you have ten. There are often seven or ten of multiples. So Lord willing, several weeks from now, when we get to Genesis 10, the, the nations descended from Noah can count them up. There are 70. Seven times ten. Seventy is a biblical number to represent the fullness of the nations. When Jesus sent out the disciples in the Gospels, he sent out 70. 
When you have the list of the nations in 1 Chronicles 1, you have 70. It is not by coincidence that the authors are putting these together to give biblical numbers which would represent 7 and 10, 7 times 10. Jesus' genealogy is the most famous one in the Bible. Andrew Peterson has famously put this to music, the begats, to help you memorise all of the Matthew begats. There are three sets of 14 names. 14 is a multiple of seven. If you look at Luke's genealogy of Jesus from Adam to Abraham, 21 generations, Abraham to David, 21, David to the exile, 21, exile to Jesus, 21. There is clearly something afoot. This is not true in every single genealogy in scripture, but sevens and multiples of sevens and tens and multiples of tens are important to signify something about genealogy. A second general characteristic is to see the words father, son, father, begat. They often have a much more expansive meaning in biblical terminology. A son is the son to our generation. And yet in Hebrew, the words are more elastic. Laban, for example, is called the son of Nahor. Ben is the Hebrew word for son. Benjamin is the son of my right hand, but Nahor was his grandfather. It isn't that the Bible made a mistake. It uses the word Ben or son more widely. The Lord says to Jacob, Genesis 28, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Abraham was Jacob's grandfather, but it calls him father. The Hebrew word is Ab. Think of Abraham, father of many nations, the Hebrew word for father. When Obed is born to Ruth and Boaz, he said a son was born to Naomi. Now, not Naomi's son, but the word is still used. In Genesis 46, we see the word son refers to sons, grandsons, daughter and granddaughter. And throughout the Old Testament, we see the word Ab. It doesn't just mean my literal father, but my fourth father. Begat or fathered can refer to an ancestral relationship. Genesis 46, Exodus 6, Numbers 26. The other thing to see about biblical genealogies is that that they're not meant to be exhaustive. So sometimes they're called open instead of closed or telescoped meaning that you've just seen part of a close-up of the gene genealogy. It's never intended to give you every possible generation. We know this if you compare Matthew 1 to one to Second Chronicles. Matthew doesn't intend to give every single person in the lineage of Jesus. He's not making a mistake. He's very purposeful. He knows what he's doing. He's crafting it with these important biblical numbers. We see the same thing if you... Compare the priestly genealogy in Ezra 7 or 1 Chronicles 6. They don't have the same number. The genealogy of the temple musicians in 1 Chronicles do not have identical numbers. Moses' genealogy is often given from Levi to Kohath to A to Amran to Moses. Four generations covering 350 years. But if you look at the rest of the Old Testament... It is clear that these were heads of clans or tribes. So there were many more generations than these literal four. Sometimes the Bible uses names of people speaking to each other who represented larger groups. Judges 1 verse 3, Judah said to Simeon, his brother. If you know your history, at the time of the judges, Judah and Simeon are dead. So it isn't Judah or Simeon, 
but it is that the tribes are talking to one another. All of this to say, as we look at the genealogies in Genesis, it is possible we do not have every generation mentioned here. That we're not necessarily meant to add up all the ages and then you would know exactly when the earth was created. Bishop Usher, centuries ago, famously calculated the earth was created in 4004 BC, taking this chronology, this, this genealogy. If you add these dates up, in Genesis 5, 1656, from Adam to the flood, and then you add up some other dates, he came up 4004. That is possible, but I don't think we have to be tied to that number. That doesn't remove us from the realm of inerrancy or understanding the Bible on its own terms. It's when the Bible gives a genealogy, it was never intended. It gives us a comprehensive genealogy. Now, that does not mean that we go from 4,004 to millions. But in the order of thousands, it could be we don't have all of the dates here. And in elsewhere in Scripture, when a summation is given, we're often given that number. See Jacob's family in Genesis 46, and then it adds it up for us. Or numbers one, the number of the persons of the census of the tribes, and then it adds, us, adds it up for us. So the fact we don't have the numbers added up for us leaves open the possibility we do not yet have an exhaustive genealogy here, but one that has been telescoped. Not less true, but keeping with how biblical genealogies function. That is the view of many good conservative evangelical scholars. So as we come here, we leave open the possibility this may not be the complete list, but yet we have to be Honest that it certainly seems that if these numbers are tracking from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. And that Adam and Seth and so on are not just a name, names for clans, but a people who live to extraordinarily long old age and saw their children born at what seems to be very exceedingly old. So Genesis 4 verse 25, Adam knew his wife again. She bore a son and called his name Seth. Adam and Eve, Seth was their next generation. We see the same at the end of the genealogy with Noah. He's going to be on the, on the ark with Shem, Ham and Japheth. There are some numbers that are too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence. Let me show you one. Methuselah. Methuselah, the, you know, the Bible trivia guy. The oldest person in the Bible, 969 years old. It seems to be deliberate we understand that Methuselah died either in the flood or before the flood, that none of these patriarchs in this rendering lived during the flood or after the flood. So look at the math here, verse 25. Methuselah lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Then he lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years. So Lamech is born, Methuselah lives 782 more years. Now look at verse 28, when Lamech had lived 182 years. He fathered a son. He fathered Noah. Very easy. 782 minus 182. That means that Methuselah, after Noah was born, 782 minus 182 equals 600. Methuselah lived 600 more years after Noah was born. You can look and see that Lamech lived 595 years. So Methuselah outlasted 
Lamech. Now when did the flood come? Genesis 7 verse 6, Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. So Methuselah perhaps was of the wicked generation and he died in the flood, or perhaps he died in the year before the flood came. But we can look at the numbers and see that none of the previous generations would have been alive of this line that is mentioned, except for Noah, his three sons, and then their wives. So how do we make sense, very quickly, of these extraordinarily long lives? Again, I think if someone were to make a case that what we have here, in some instances, are the name, names of family, tribes and heads that is possible, it seems to me, though, lacking a better explanation, that we simply say these men lived till they were very, very old. Strange as it seems to us, perhaps there is a hint of longer life before the flood and before facing the wrath of God in the flood in a text like Isaiah 65, verse 20. Isaiah looking forward to the age of the Messiah and he says that he in the age of Messiah who dies at 100 will be thought to be a mere youth. So in that Messianic, Messianic age, a great age to come, long life you die at a hundred, then you're just a wee boy. So maybe that is hearkening back to a period here. Maybe the climate was different. Maybe God had not punished people as he would after the flood. We'll see after the flood that ages are still very old and into the hundreds. And then later there is the psalmist who says, by reason of your strength, your three score years and ten, which is much more what we are used to. It's important too to realise that there were other genealogies in the ancient world. One of the most famous ones is the list of the Sumerian kings. They had ten kings listed. And if you think the biblical people are old, the Sumerian genealogy had the kings living anywhere from 6,000 to 72,000 years old. That makes the biblical record seem very realistic. All to say I take the numbers at face value. But I'm open to the possibility we may not have a complete list. God may not have meant us to have one. But notice the pattern. Man lives for many years and then man has son. Man lives for many more years after son, has many children. Other children, you add these numbers together and that's the length of his days. Most of their ages are around 900 which may be a way of communicating they live to be nearly a millennia each. You have two special numbers, Enoch 365, Lamech 777. Lamech with three sevens, Enoch whose age is a number of days in a year. The most important takeaway is to realise that Genesis 1 to 11 connects with Genesis 12 to 50 as history. Sometimes people talk about 1 to 11 as prehistory, in the realm of myth. It is not to be taken as liter literally as the rest of the book. But Moses doesn't give us that out. Because we're going to see that Adam, real person, connected to all these, through these real people to Noah. And then we're going to be connected through other real people to Abraham. There is no sense when you go from chapter 12 backwards that you're in the realm of myth and make-believe. These are real historical persons who lived real lives and we're meant to see the connection from creation to fall to flood to Abraham. And what I want you to notice in our time remaining are three persons who are singled out in this 10-person genealogy. 
10 generations. And the last generation we have Shem, Ham and Japheth. But there are three generations that are singled out. And they teach us what God means to communicate in Genesis 5. Look at Adam, verses 1 to 5. The book of the generations of Adam, that word toldoth, translated generations. Here we have the toldoth of Adam. It's a book, a scroll, a written document. Moses is pulling from a written source that catalogued the descendants of Adam. There is no problem in using other sources under the inspiration of Holy Scripture. Luke sought a careful record of all these things. There seems to have been a book of the generations of Adam. There is an echo of Genesis 1. Remember Genesis 1 verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. This is so clearly an echo of Genesis 1. It is as if to say we have traced out the line of Cain after the murder of Abel. And now we're coming to the promised line of the woman, the line of Seth. That God is doing his creative work all over again. It is not lost. In fact, you notice male and female, he created them just like Genesis 1. He blessed them, just like Genesis 1, 28. He named them man, Aha Adam, the man that is the proper name for man, Adam. The Hebrew word Adam simply means man, and he gives the name to male and female, man. So in Hebrew, there is a male Adam and a female Adam. The, the male race, the human race, has historically been called mankind, not out of any chauvinistic insistence but because God has given to it the name of the human race male and female named them man when they were created and look explicitly at verse 3 when Adam had lived 130 years he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth so we see on the other side of the fall and the curse the murder of Abel the deterioration of the line of Cain the image of God lives on. The blessing of God has not been extinguished. It is striking that the most significant thing recorded about most of these men, almost the only thing that is recorded about each of these men, is that they had a child, they had a son, they had sons and daughters. Now I always do need to hasten to add that I understand that there are persons who wish they were married and are not married. There are persons who are married who do not have children. So it is not some hierarchy of value. It is not what God may have for each of us. But insofar as we are able to be married and God grants to us the blessing of children, there are a few things more significant in this life. If you could say anything about each of these men, it was that they had a child. They continued the line of God. Another image bearer was born. The image of God was not at all lost. Adam was made in the image, he had Seth. There is another image bearer in the world. The list of the Sumerian kings was about kings, important people. We know hardly anything about these men, very little, that they were kings and rulers. We don't even hear about their civilizational achievements. We heard from the line of Cain, Jabal, 
Jubal and Tubal, their works in the arts and metalwork and agriculture. What we have here is that the line of God's promise and blessing continues. There's an article in the well-known periodical, The New Yorker, a few years ago, The Case Against Kids, Is Procreation Immoral? Then there is a book by Philip Jenkins, Fertility and Faith, The Demographic Revolution, The Transformation of World Religions, where Philip Jenkins looks at the declining fertility rate in everywhere in the world apart from Africa and how this profound has profound ramifications for how religion is shaped. And what he is looking at, he's not prescribing or saying what is good or bad in this writing, he's simply saying we need to be aware of how the world will change and is being changed, that people are no longer having many children. So far from an alarm of a population boom, demographic, de- de- you know, people who study demographics are warning of a population bust that will peak at 9 billion and decline. In, part, in, in fact, many countries of the world have populations in decline. Jenkins says for the foreseeable future, for several decades at least, most of the non-African world faces the prospect of a steeply ageing and contracting population. To have a child as the Lord grants is an act of hope, is an act of promise and blessing in the world. So we see their most noteworthy contribution each one made was to pass on the image of God, to see another generation to rise up and worship the name of our God, Adam. And I want you to notice the second person in this generation whose generation is singled out, Enoch. What have we seen with the seventh? The seventh in the line from Cain was Lamech, a different Lamech from this one. The Lamech who was the first um, polygamist, polygamist who boasts of going to kill the man who injured him. So in other words, in the seventh in the line of Cain is the pinnacle of evil. The seventh in the line that goes through Seth, we see something very different. What have we heard as a recurring refrain in Genesis 5? Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. All the days of Seth and he died. The days of Enosh and he died. Thus all the days of Kenan and he died. Thus all the days of Mahalalel and he died. Thus all the days of Jared and he died. And you come to verse 23, that's all the days of Enoch, the 365. And just when you would expect to say he died, he does not die. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. The refrain through the chapter has been he died. We have, we've just had a running list of obituaries. Everyone died. This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. This is Romans 5, verse 17. Death reigning through one man. And the thing we see for certain with every generation is that it ends in death. No access to the tree of life. And then he died. His son died and his son died. And then you have Enoch. A man who does not experience death. Death does not have to be the last word. Death, Enoch found life amidst the curse of death. Because Enoch walked with God. Notice the only other person of these ten generations in chapter 5 whose death is not mentioned is Noah. Now he's not going to be translated to heaven like Enoch was, but it's intentional that his death is not mentioned. Noah, Genesis 6 verse 9, is a righteous man, blameless in his generation. He walked with God. Enoch walked with God. 
What does God tell Abraham in Genesis 17 when he institutes the covenant of circumcision? He says, walk before me. So as God's people would have read this or had Genesis 5 read to them, you can hear the refrain, he died and he died and he died and he died and then Enoch. And then maybe afterwards the children would say, what happened to Enoch? How, did, how come he didn't die? He walked with God. Is it possible? Is it possible that like Enoch, I could walk with God forever? Of course, we don't have the promise or the likelihood that we're going to be just taken up to heaven. We have Enoch, we have Elijah, two people in the whole Bible. But we have his hope. What does it mean to walk with God? Some of you, maybe you walk with your spouse every day or you walk with your child every day or you have a friend and you walk every morning what do you do when you walk with someone you walk because you're friends because you like to be together you like to spend time together you want to be in each other's company and Enoch walked with God he was close to God he wanted to be with God he wanted to spend time with God he was moving in the same direction as God one commentator says it is easy to understand how we might practically walk with God it is to open to God our purposes and our hopes to seek his judgment on our schemes of life. It is to be on thoroughly friendly terms with God. I like that. Are you on thoroughly friendly terms with God? Enoch walked with God and he was not. In the midst of all this death, there is a ray of hope that death is not the final answer. Death does not have to be the last chapter in the story of your life. Death is not the last chapter in the story of the world. There is the hope of Enoch and Noah. Remember Lamech and the line of Cain was always looking for revenge. Lamech and the line of Seth is looking for relief. Verse 28, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah saying out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Again, explicitly echoing Genesis 3, the Hebrew word Noah, Noach, sounds like rest. The name Neham is comfort or relief. We can see the connection to Noah. The death had invaded the human family, but there are evidences of grace. There is life, there is blessing there are image bearers there are sons and daughters there is rest there is comfort there is the hope of relief the prospect of living forever if you walk with God how are you looking at your own life one way is to look at the world and say you know we live in evil days it isn't hard to find really bad news and then really bad news and the spectre of death is everywhere and you fear the flood of God's judgment on the horizon. If that is how you're looking at the world, you have very good reason to look at the world that way. Just as they would have had good reason to look at the world that way. Decay, evil, death, judgment. That is the world of Genesis 5. And some of you look at the world that way. And it is true. But brothers and sisters, dear listener, it is not the only truth. And it is not the most important truth. And it is not the most lasting truth, because there is another way to look at the world. And there is another way to look at your life. 
just as there was another way to look at Genesis 5. Yes, he died, he died, he died, he died. But in the midst of it, there is still birth. There is still life. There is still a God. There is relief and there is hope that death does not get the final word. So genealogies have far more than meet the eye. And there is hope. There is hope for life in the midst of death. May God bless the word.